have helped guide us through life. Amen. Praise God. We're so excited this morning to, uh, to celebrate with you all as the ladies' ministry have taken the, the service this morning. And I've asked uh, Sister Kaylee, who's come all the way from the States, just to speak for today. <laughs> no, she's part of our POS family now, and we're so blessed to have her. Uh, she's very uh, used in the, in the youth department in Key and also in WOW 31 events. And I'd also like to ask after her if Sister Petra, my assistant for WOW 31 Ministries, if she can also prepare. Thank you. Let's give our attention to them. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you all glad to be in the house of God on today? Just want to take um, a few moments to just give honor to my leaders, both Pastor Stan and Sister Robin, also my youth leaders as well, um, just for the opportunity to speak to you all today. Um, I don't plan to be before you long. In the book of Revelations, we find the Apostle Paul greeting and writing letters to seven churches. Many things written, and um, he wrote many things, and each letter is very specific to the church that it was addressed to. The primary purpose for those letters was to simply exhort, edify, and encourage. Those letters were filled with the words straight from the mouth of God and written by the hand of the Apostle John. Now, I'm not an apostle. <laughs> and though there are some here, Sister Janet specifically, who would like me to be, I am also not a mother at this moment in time. But like John, I've done something similar. I've talked to a few mothers in this church and I have put together what I like to call, instead of letters to the churches, letters to the mothers. I'll go over seven stages of motherhood and I hope that um, these letters from each stage would encourage someone today. So to the expecting mother, congratulations, you're pregnant. <laughs> if you haven't already taken the time, process how you feel about this. Are you excited? Are you scared? Are you surprised? How many weeks are you? And how many times have you vomited this week? <laughs> Regardless of how you feel, know that what is happening in your belly is an absolute miracle. Though nine months may seem like a long time, especially when accompanied with nausea, back pain, and swelling feet, it goes by so fast. So enjoy every kick and every backflip that your little baby is currently performing. No doubt God has a plan for your little one. You could be carrying the next prime minister of Australia or the next pastor of Pentecostals of Sydney. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. No doubt your child will be used of God, so enjoy every moment of your pregnancy. To the new mom, well, the baby is here. And it goes without saying that adjustments will need to be made and babies don't come with instruction manuals. While you're figuring it out, remember to be gracious to yourself. You may not be able to maneuver around like you usually do, but that's okay. Don't be hard on yourself. You are surrounded by so many other women who have done this before, so ask them for their advice. Some of their advice will work for you, and some won't. 
but God will help you to be the best mother that you can be to your baby. Cuddle your baby as much as you want. Sleep when they sleep. Be nice to your husband because he's trying. And remember that your child is an answered prayer. 1 Samuel 1 and 27 says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted the desires of my heart. To the toddler mom, Nikes, Adidas, New Balances, these are all brands of shoes that are good for running because you will do a lot of it. Whether it's running to prevent your little one from becoming the newest member of the praise team during Sunday service, whether it's running to catch the bowl of spaghetti before it splatters all over the floor, or whether it's running to prevent your child from having a near-death experience, you will be running. And we see you running. We see the mess. We see the juice and the crayon stains on your shirt. And you owe us absolutely no explanation for any of it. And when the tantrums come, and for some of you they will, you can do what my mom did and keep a belt nearby. <laughs> or you can show your peace and your conservative and just walk away. Or you can do my favorite, which is keep a bottle of water on you at all times. And when they are throwing that tantrum at Woolworths, you just simply take your hands and start sprinkling the water and saying, Jesus, Jesus. And when the bystanders stare at you, just simply say, the priest couldn't get all the demons out. <laughs> Even in this crazy stage, Psalms 127 and 3 is still true. Children are a gift from the Lord, and they are a reward from Him. So hang in there. You'll get through it. To the single mom, we are praying for you because we know it's hard. I'm the youngest of five children, and when my oldest brother was 13, my sister was eight, two other brothers were seven, and I myself was five, our father passed away of cancer, leaving my mom to be a single mom. We know how hard it is. Maybe you're a single mother for a different reason, but truth is, you won't make everything. You won't make all the games at school. You won't make all the plays. You won't even make all the church events. You'll work more days than you relax. But with proper communication, your children will understand your sacrifices and, you, and they will be extremely grateful to you. Utilize your support system and remember Psalm 68 and 5. A father of the fatherless and a carer of the widow is God in his holy habitation. And that is a promise to you. And we serve a promise-keeping God. Amen. To the mothers of teenagers, Psalms 1 and 21 says to simply lift up your eyes unto the hills from which comes your help. This is a time when your teenage son or your teenage daughter will be dealing with so many different hormones. Your son might even become a zombie and just stare at the TV all day while furiously pressing buttons on a controller. Your daughter might become a vampire. She might stay locked into her room, fear the sunlight, and only communicate via text message. However, both of them will disappear until they are hungry. They're experiencing all type of emotions and influences, 
But regardless of that, you are still a good mom. Don't take anything they do or say personally. You're still a good mom. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Teach children in the way that fits their needs, and when they are old, they will not leave the right path. God will teach you how to mother each of your children and their specific individual needs. Just a side note for those teen moms, when your child says that the dress is snatched, it does not mean it's stolen. It's a compliment. When they say no cap, they are not referring to the lack of a hat. Has nothing to do with a hat. Low key has nothing to do with music. And spilling tea does not refer to a drink. Never say hello to Felicia, only say bye to her. And a goat is not an animal. Also, Karen is not someone you want to be or willing to meet. If you're a teenage mom and you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's your conversation starter. Ask your children. To the empty nest mom, all of your hard work has paid off. Your kids are grown. Some of them are going to uni, some of them are getting married, and some of them are focusing on their careers. So now that they're gone, what should you do? Well, if you're home and you start to hear a loud growling snoring sound, and as you get closer to that sound, you start to smell Diet Coke and chips and burger rings, you've just found your husband. That is the father of your children. Unfortunately, when you're raising children, it's very easy to neglect your marriage. Use this free time to rekindle that fire in your marriage. You can also develop a hobby or volunteer because there's always work to be done in the kingdom. And as it relates to motherhood, there are some expecting new and toddler moms that could really use your help. Titus 2 and 4 says, teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. Lastly, to all the mothers, you have a tough gig, but there is something so special and so specific that only a mother can bring to raising up their children. Though it may seem hard, motherhood is so rewarding and so worth it. In closing, I leave you with wise words from King Solomon concerning a wife and a mother. Her children say good things about her. Her husband brags about her and says, there are many good women, but you are the best. Grace and beauty can fool you, but a woman who respects the Lord should be praised. Give her the reward she deserves. Praise her in public for what she has done. Today is the day that we give our mothers the reward they deserve, and we praise them in public for everything that they've done. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers of POS. Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all our mums. Um, my mum, she's gone on to her reward. And I honour her today because I'm the result of her prayers. And the prayers that you pray as a mum, you may not see them in your lifetime, but you ought to believe that God is a man of his word. A God of his word, not a man, sorry.
I just want to give honour to Sister Robin and Pastor Stan and I'm grateful for this opportunity, the honour of standing before you. Although I feel like my heart is about to beat out of my chest and my hands are shaking and I'm grateful, very grateful. Um, the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 1 to 6, it tells us the story of one day Jesus was preaching at the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to hear the word of the Lord. And to the side he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and they were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, the owner, who we know later on was called Peter, to push it out into the water so he could sit in the boat and teach the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deep and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. We didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, okay, I'll go out and let the net down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. They called out to the partners of the other boat, told them to come. And soon both boats had so much fish in they started to sink. And I want to concentrate on, on verse 5. It says, Master, Simon says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down our nets. Nevertheless, at your word, we will let down our nets. And that's the thought I want to share on this morning. Nevertheless, at your word. When I read the story, we see that Simon, he was a fisherman. It was his profession, basically his job. He knew how to fish, he, he studied, I would assume he'd studied the seas, he would know the tides. So this was something he, was, he, he knew what to do. And we assume that obviously he was a seasoned fisherman. And then he tells Jesus, and Jesus, along comes this preacher, telling the professional fisherman. And, he t and Simon tells Jesus, God, we've, we've done this all night, we've been out here and now we're ready, just call it a day. Jesus gives Simon a word, and to his credit, Simon obeys. See, there is power in obedience to the word of God. He was about to give up and call it a day. Have you ever been there? I know I have. We've prayed, we've toiled, we've cried, we've done all that we know to do in our own strength, and we've come up with nothing. But when we're down to nothing, God is up to something. You see, Jesus will use the situations, the seasons of our life to show himself strong. Our situation presents the opportunity. What will your response be? We heard Sister Rachel talk about it this morning. Interruptions and invitation, your situation and opportunity. Will you stand and take God at his word? Or will you allow, will you allow what you see right in front of you right now to determine your response? His word says that he will never leave us he will never give us more than we can bear, that he walks with us. We can look at our situation. We see hopelessness. We look at our inadequacies. We look at our fears. And we start to believe the lies of the enemy. But it's time for us to silence the lies of the enemy with the word of truth. Every circumstance, every situation we find ourselves in, we have the power to overcome. We can overcome fear, doubt, anxiety, frustration. Whose report will you believe? How do we overcome? 
obedience to his word and applying God's word to our life. Simon Peter acknowledged they had toiled all night. They came up empty. It's okay to acknowledge our feelings sometimes, but your feelings, when they don't align with what God's word says, your feelings are indicators, not dictators. And when my feelings don't align with what his truth said, his word trumps what I feel. I don't wanna allow my frustrations to take the place of my faith. Someday faith, you know what faith looks like? It looks like waking up, dressing up, showing up and walking through those doors. That's what faith looks like. Some days you don't know. You don't know what someone here or someone beside you is going through. You don't know the struggle. And some days the struggle is real, really real. And I knew that if I could just walk through those doors, if I could just get here and offer a praise on my lips, then my God, was, he would show himself strong. And some days faith is putting one foot in front of the other and repeating over and over the promises of God's word. You see, we have to speak to the mountain, speak to our situations. The Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He wasn't on the mountain when he was encouraging himself. He was in the valley. And it's in the valley that we can look to his word. We can look to the truth of who he is and who he says we are. And sometimes we have to do the same. When the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Remind him that the only reason you were going through this is because God has allowed it and it's come through the Father's hands. Remind him that devil, you better get back in that box that Jesus has put you in. I refuse to allow pain, offences, unforgiveness, fear, or my mistakes determine my outcome. I refuse to allow them to write my story. Yes, we go through pain. Yes, we go through difficulties. Yes, there is many things that we experience, but God never destined for you to reside there, for you to live there. The God that has brought you to it will bring you through it. I don't wanna set up camp in my fears. I don't wanna set up camp and become so comfortable in what I don't have. In fact, if there's one thing I want, I want my children to know that when you were faced with a situation, we can run to the truth of His Word and that His Word will determine the outcome. And this morning, your pain, it will lead you to your promise. He is turning your mess into a message, your test into your testimony, the battle into your blessing. If we will let the Word of God come again, believe again, get up, try again, dust yourself off, He is faithful. And I pray this morning that you would be encouraged, that you will remember God is for you. He is with you. He fights for you. He is an ever-present God. And my season of pain, we all have those, right? I would turn to the Word of God. I felt like my heart was breaking at times. I felt... Like the situation was pretty hopeless. And I couldn't see a way out. But what I did know was that I knew that his word that had been instilled in me from a child, that I could speak his word. And I knew that there was a song that came to my mind. And I would sing it. And I'd start to say, You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. It didn't align with what I saw, 
but I kept singing those words till my heart caught up with what God's Word says. And sometimes that's what you've got to do. You have the words, you have a song in your heart. God has given you a song. The battle is not yours, the battle is His. He is overcome. How do I know His Word says? And if what I feel doesn't align with His Word, His Word trumps every single time. And I pray this morning that we don't have a fear, a faith failure, that faith over fear in His Word and who He says we are. That at His Word, at His Word. And last year in August, after 20 something years, we saw it, the faithfulness, my kids, me. We saw the faithfulness of a faithful father. And my husband was baptized in the name of Jesus. He came up out of that water with his hands raised. I'm not quite sure how we made it home that day. We were in the car and we didn't even speak to the boys. Jamison came in his own car and I remember looking over and tears were just flowing. Because I've known him to be faithful, whether he answered my prayer or not. I've seen him faithful to my friends. I've seen him faithful to my sister. And His Word says He's faithful. So whether I see it or not, I'm going to believe in what His Word says. And I pray this morning that you would be encouraged, that you would take Him at His Word. Well, we can just close off in prayer now and finish. I mean, that was enough right there. Amen. Thank you, Sister Petra and Sister Kaylee. I'm going to uh, give you a Mother's Day message this morning, and I promise I won't be long because we've won over time. But if we could just uh, stand this morning, praise God. And if you have your Bibles with you, if we could quickly turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 127, and read from verse 1 to 5. If you've got that, say amen. If you don't, say wait. I thought I'd try that one. My husband always uses that. Okay, so except the Lord build the house, they labour in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh in vain. It is vain for you to rise early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows. For so he giveth so his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with enemies in the gate. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Praise God. So last, last uh, Mother's Day was a very different picture. I was standing here and I was ministering to about 10 people. And so this morning when I was actually preparing, I was thinking, oh, Lord, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous to be speaking to the church this morning. But, you know, God is so faithful. Amen. He is so good, right? He answers our prayers. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm thankful this morning that the restrictions have lifted, even though we have to wear masks this morning, that we can still gather together as a family. Amen. Praise God. And so we've been hearing this morning uh, a lot about us honouring our mothers. And I want to honour my mum this morning as well, who uh, has supported us, has loved us, has allowed us to be able to do ministry today. And also my mother-in-law, 
uh, Pura, who has also loved us and supported us. And, you know, we're so blessed to have them both in our lives. Praise God. So last year, our theme uh, for the church was Together. And it was so timely. It was such a timely uh, theme from, from God. And so we were actually literally forced to spend time together as families um, in our homes, locked away, in the same room, you know, in the same space. And I think when I look back and, and think about uh, that time, I was, you know, kind of, I was, I was quite happy because it was like, okay, we're going to have my husband home. He's not traveling throughout the year. Uh, my children are home. Uh, you know, they, they weren't at school for, for, you know, what seemed like months. But, you know, in the beginning, it was like really nice. It was nice to, you know, have us all in one place. You know, we had no appointments to attend to. We didn't have to like do events or anything like that. So um, there were a lot of positives that came out of that time. But meanwhile, while I was, you know, quite content in my situation. I, I don't know if you remember that, uh, you know, everywhere it was just popping up in, you know, news articles and, and in the news about these families that were actually breaking down because of COVID. Okay, people were stuck in their homes together. Marriages were like being magnified. Okay, family life was being magnified because all of a sudden you don't have this place called work to go to where you have that space, right, in between uh, you know, being away from your husband or your wife um, or your children. And so there was a spike in, in divorce rates and family relationship breakdowns. And it's, it's, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing to hear um, that, you know, during that time, that is what happened. But that is reality. All right. So I thought with Mother's Day, I thought I think family relationships is a great topic to speak about because we all are in a family, right? We all ha have a home. Uh, you know, if you don't have children, you know, you have a, a husband or a wife or you're in a relationship. But this message today, which I'll try and condense really short, um, can apply to each and every one of us. Okay, so the title of my message this morning is Jesus the Master Builder. Typically, when we think of families, you know, the traditional nuclear or extended uh, family who are, you know, biologically related, that comes to mind. But however, according to Relationships Australia, family can also be made up of anyone a person considers to be their family. So a family shares emotional bonds, uh, common values, goals and responsibilities. And family members continue signif uh, contribute significantly to the well-being of each other. A family home uh, that you grew up in has made you into the person that you are today. How you view gender roles, how you view conflict, how you view conflict resolution, uh, how you relate to people, how you do relationships, you know, how you attach, how you uh, process things, how you deal with things, how you deal with grief, and so on and so on. So basically, family has shaped how you see the world today, how you feel ev about everything and how you do life today. It doesn't matter if you grew up in a, a home that, you know, your parents were together or a home where it was a single parent family. You, you grew up without a dad or with a dad, a mum without a mum. It doesn't really matter, you know, if it was a good environment or a bad environment. It still shaped you to who you are today. Amen. And so from the very beginning, God created the family unit. It all began in the Garden of Eden when he created Adam. And the Bible says that when he saw Adam was alone, God said that he would make a helpmeet, and thus began the family. 
God didn't just intend for us to have family, but he intended on us having strong families, having healthy families, having families that are thriving and functioning as he intended. Why? Because the family unit is the strongest of human institutions. It's the glue that holds our society together. It's the nucleus. It's the very core. Amen. And the center of our society and of community. But unfortunately, with the fall of man, everything has become distorted. It's become warped. It's become, you know, it's out of whack as sin has seeped into mankind and into society. And now society is attacking God's original plan for what family is. Every family has dysfunction, right? Every family. And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, mate, what's Sister Robin talking about? My family is perfect. We don't have any dysfunction. Well, you're not looking hard enough, okay? <laughs> you are not looking hard enough. Or maybe you might be the dysfunction. <laughs> Praise God. So every family encounters challenges and struggles in life. We all have our ups and downs. And through every season that we go through, God never pro promised us a bit of roses, no. But through every season, whether it is a storm or on the mountaintop, God is with us, amen? Praise God. Uh, we've heard it throughout this morning as uh, some of the different women have uh, been ministering. And raising humans is the hardest job of all. Hands down, right? <laughs> raising, raising little human beings to become functional, healthy, strong adults is the hardest thing of all. Okay, but it's not impossible if we look to God's word. Yes. Praise God. So for all you couples who are thinking of having children or if you're about to have, be a first-time mum, you are in for the longest roller coaster ride of your life. Okay, babies don't come with a manual when they're born. We kind of just learn on the job. You know, we just kind of, you know, take from what we, how we've been brought up. Um, you know, we read about it in books. We read about, uh, you know, how to raise, you know, a child right or whatever. But really, it's all through trial and error. And I said it at our Esther conference that I have this theory that the firstborn child is always the most messed up child in a family. Because it's this child is that how you've learned parenting, right? You've made all your mistakes with this child. And then so when you've had your second and your third child, you've made sure that you didn't make the same mistakes as your first child. And some, I, I know that there are some first child kids in the place today who are not agreeing with me right now. Okay, so the author of this psalm, who is Solomon, knew that except the Lord build the house, or unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. He knew that if God was not the master builder of the house, that eventually it would crumble, it would fall apart. And so when the Bible talks about, in this particular scripture, of a house, it's not talking about the physical structure. It's not talking about the physical building, but it's talking about what is inside the building. Amen. It's talking about the people inside the building. And it's talking about uh, what's going on inside that building. And so this chapter is one of the 15 songs of ascent in the Old Testament. And so ascents were short psalms. Uh, that the children of Israel would sing, they would memorize it and they would chant it as they were walking up the hill uh, to Jerusalem uh, to go and worship, worship God in the temple. And so many have mistaken that the meaning of this psalm is to be about a phys the physical house of God and the city of Jerusalem. 
But as you read on to the, on the scriptures, it talks about a man and a woman who have children and bring them up and launch them out into the world like arrows. So the house and the city that this scripture is referring to is our home, it's family. Okay, so it's about a family who depends on God. God is the master builder. He is the master architect in this building project that we call life, that we call family, and that we call home. He is the master designer of life, and he has given us the blueprint in his word. But instead of looking to his word, we look into the, into the world for the models of what a family should be. And so we have designed our own homes the way that we see fit. One of the biggest frustrations for architects is when people want them to design their home and only to find out that they've already designed their own home. Okay, I'm not an architect, uh, but I am an interior stylist and I've had the same frustrations. I've gone to meet a client, they tell me, oh, I'm not sure what I want, I'm not sure about the colours and things like that. So, you know, this is the style that I want to go for, blah, blah, blah. And then so I'm writing this down, writing it down, go and source the material, go and look for the furniture, go and look at the colours, paint colours and whatever. And then they come back to me. And when I come back to them with a mood board and, you know, show them, you know, okay, I think this is what you want. They're like, oh, no, I actually had this in mind or whatever. That is so frustrating. Okay, so if you're going to get an interior stylist, you know, make sure you know exactly what you want. Okay, so the, in the Word of God, we can find the blueprint for every relationship, for marriage, for parenting, for relationships, conflict resolution, you know, uh, and, and, sorry, and we can take instruction from it. Okay, so he tells us in his Word how a man should treat his wife, how a woman should be to her husband, how their children should uh, honour and respect their parents. The blueprint is in his word. It's in the Bible. Okay, we don't have to look to, you know, Relationships Australia or, you know, all of these other organisations that, although I'm not saying that they're bad, they're very good, but it is in God's word. We have it. It's accessible to us. Amen. See, too many of us look to social media and we compare our lives and relationships to the images that we see. And this is what we call a social uh, comparison. We look at the family that's all dressed in white, you know, taking photos at the beach and looking happy and, you know, swinging their arms. Mind you, we just had a photo shoot <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago. And, and we wish that our family was like that, right? Or we see a couple that are looking so romantically in each other's eyes and, you know, and we wish that our love lives were like that as well. Or, you know, we see sister so-and-so, she's posted like her smashed avo uh, toast and it looks amazing. It's sprinkled with pomegranates and rocket and whatever. And then you're sitting at home having a bowl of wheat beaks and because you've run out of bananas and your strawberries have gone rotten in the fridge, you can't make it look all pretty. Okay, so this thing called social comparison has caused us to go into deep depression. You know, it's caused all sorts of, you know, anxiety disorders because their coffee looks better than my coffee and their house looks better than my house and their outfit is nicer than my outfit. And we constantly compare ourselves. And it's tiring, right? It's exhausting. Amen. So God never intended for us to, you know, compare ourselves to other people. We need to be content in who we are and who God has said that we are. Amen. 
Praise God. So unless the Lord builds a house, he has to be the very foundation in our homes. He needs to be the head of every household. Why? Because it was his idea in the very beginning. He is the engineer. He is the architect behind family. Praise God. You see, homes are not just, about, are not just made of bricks and mortar. If we, uh, in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, I'll read it quickly. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a, a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And so that, that scripture is very easy to interpret. That It basically uh, means that the house built upon the rock, you know, it weathered the storm, the builder is called wise because, you know, it, it stayed in, in every condition of weather. But the house that was built upon the sand, it collapsed during the storm and the builder is called foolish. And so obviously this parable is talking about how we have to have a strong foundation, how it's necessary to have a strong foundation. And in terms of building a physical house, you know, it's unwise to build on sand because the foundation will be unsteady and the house will eventually suffer some kind of damage and, you know, the waste, the resources that you've put into to building the house, it'll all, you know, be in vain. It'll all come to naught because of the foundation was shaky. And it's very much like that with our families. If our foundation is not on the Lord, then eventually it's going to crumble. Okay? You could be doing really well right now without the Lord in it, but it's going to crumble. It's what his word says. Verse 2, it, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat of the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. So parents, it starts with us. Okay, Solomon is saying that God gives sleep to those he loves, but how many of us are losing sleep? because of stress and worries. Some of you here are about, to lose, are about to lose it, right? Because you're working so hard. But Solomon is saying that if we do things God's way, he will give us sleep. Okay, so many of us are sleep deprived because we stress about our family situations and the, and the relationship breakdowns and everything that's going on in our home, we lose sleep over it. But Solomon is saying that if we do things God's way, he will give us sleep. Amen. See, our, fa our family situation and circumstances, they can often uh, cause us a lot of stress and anxiety because we're not allowing the Lord to build our homes. Amen? Uh, as I said, I know that some parents are working two to three jobs, you know, every day. They're waking up early. They're coming home late after doing, you know, overtime. But at what expense? What expense? I've heard of parents who work, you know, their fingers to the bone so that their kids can have all the latest things, you know, the latest gear, the latest Nike and, and Puma and whatever. And, you know, they can have the, the, the latest gadgets that are on the market now and keeping up with the Joneses. But what are we teaching our kids? What are we teaching them? And your mentality behind that could be, you know, oh, I never grew up with all this because, you know, I had a poor background and my parents couldn't buy me this and that and whatever and I want to give my kids everything. You know, that's okay. That's all well and good. But you have to have boundaries in place. You have to have discipline in place. Amen? Because we don't want to be teaching our kids that, you know, oh, I don't have to work for it. Mom and dad's just going to buy it, right? They're just going to, you know, buy me those $200 pair of Nikes. I don't have to work for it. They're just going to give it to me. And don't set your kids up for failure. 
Okay, let's look at verse 3, verse 3, and I'm going to try and hurry this through. It says, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So the word heritage or gift in the Hebrew means property, possession, or portion. So in other words, it's saying that children belong to the Lord, and they are given to us as a gift or as a reward. So, I, and I know, you know, with our kids, sometimes, you know, we can't see them as gifts because they're more like headaches or whatever, because, you know, they make your blood boil and, and so on and so on. But the Bible says that children are a gift from God. Okay, so we as parents, we are the stewards, we are managers. We're given the responsibility or the duty to look after God's property, his possession to the best of our ability. Amen? So if we can raise our kids right, Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I cling to that scripture each and every day. Each and every day when I pray, pray over my kids, I cling to that scripture and say, Lord, you said to train up a child. If I bring my child to church, I bring her in, you know, into Sunday school and, you know, she's, uh, you know, being involved in church and whatever, that you, that she's never going to depart from those teachings. Amen. And that is in the word of God. So the blueprint has been given to us. And so we need to set those boundaries and disciplines in place. If you don't set clear boundaries and discipline in your children, uh, when they have done something wrong, you know, when your, ch your child, your teen, whatever you have, a young adult, uh, they will constantly test, okay? They're going to constantly push boundaries with you to see how far they can go. You know, some kids are a nightmare to raise. <laughs> some of them are nightmares. You know, they don't listen, they have attitude, uh, you know, they are ungrateful, uh, they have meltdowns, you know, when they don't get their way, you know, ever wondered why? Could it be because of the way that we're parenting them sometimes? Or could it be sugar as well? Okay, your children will be just that if we raise them right, a gift from God. They won't be a headache, you know, they won't be that thorn in our flesh, but they will be a gift that we can actually take joy in. Okay, we can enjoy our children. Okay, we lead our children by example. You know, they look to us. Remember their worldviews and perceptions. They are shaped uh, in the home that we raise them. So I want to stress today, if you don't hear anything else that I say today, you know, please remember that, you know, you need to build your house on God, on God's word, okay? Build your home on the foundation of God. You know, if you show your kids that, you know, it's important to get up early on a Sunday morning and to go to church, uh, you know, they're going to follow in your footsteps. But if you show them that, you know, it's not, you know, you can sleep in, don't worry, you can work or whatever, you know, they're going to follow in those footsteps as well. You know, if you're going to show them that, um, you know, it's okay to, to watch certain movies like horror movies and things like that, then guess what? It's going gonna, it's gonna to put fear in their mind. And I'm speaking this from experience. Um, you know, if whatever we allow in, in the environment of our home, whatever we allow to enter into our homes, uh, this is what's going to influence our children. So it's important for us as parents to be a filter. Be a filter, raise our kids through the Word of God. Amen? So whatever patterns you establish for yourself, you have established for your children. So be careful what you reproduce in your child's life. 
Your children need to see you praying. They need to see you fasting. They need to see you reading the Word of God. They need to hear godly conversations in the home. They need to see mum and dad being affectionate towards one another. Uh, you know, they need to see us, even when we're having issues, that we can love each other, still love each other, and work through our issues. Amen? Praise God. So parents, your voice, out of all the thousands of voices that they hear, your voice is still the most influential in your child's life. So God has called us to lay a spiritual foundation okay, in, for our children because we will reap the rewards of that. And I'm hurrying to a close. In verse 4, it says, As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of your youth. And this is such a powerful analogy of the description that they've used here, that children are like arrows. Okay, the Psalms speaks of children being like arrows in their father's hand, carefully and skillfully guiding his children toward the intended target, like a warrior would his arrow. So an arrow goes to a place where an archer cannot go and accomplish a purpose. Your children will go in the direction that you aim them. Okay, where, where are you shooting your arrows today? Praise God. Verse 5, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall, not, they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Praise God. Let's stand this morning as I end. See, there is happiness and joy that comes when your children honour you, uh, love you and respect you, and grow to become healthy, well-established adults that are living for the Lord and raising their own children in the fear of God. Amen. There is a joy that comes when we know that we are able to deal with their issues in a healthy way. I mean, that's the aim. You know, that's the aim for us as parents, that we're raising healthy, strong, you know, adults, human beings that look to the Lord. Amen. Who serve God, who pray, who fast, who read the Word of God. Because there's, you know, there's no other life like this. Amen. Being a Christian is the greatest privilege of all. And if we can instill that into our children by, you know, by bringing God into our homes. You know, and a lot of us, you know, we've been walking with the Lord for a very long time. But whatever happens here doesn't always translate into the home. You know, because we don't have a filter. We don't watch what our kids are watching. We don't, um, you know, we're not careful with our conversations in the home. And we don't know what we allow into, into our home, which affects our children. So I want to encourage you today as families, as families to seek God, to seek God. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. Unless the Lord builds our homes, unless the Lord is in our homes, unless He is the head of our families, and in our relationships and our labor in this life is in vain. I could go on and on about this topic, but I believe the Lord has spoken. He's spoken this morning. He's speaking to us as a church, church family, husbands, wives, children. I know some of your relationships with your kids are not where they should be because of the things that they've entangled themselves in. And I know that some marriages are on the rocks right now as well. But if we look to God's Word, the blueprint is in there. The blueprint is in God's Word this morning, church. 
Let's make application. Let's make application. Apply the Word of God into our lives, into our families and into our children. Amen. God bless you. I believe we've heard from God already today. Right now is an opportunity for us to respond to His Word. Unless the Lord builds the house, if you're doing it on your own, it's, it's just going to be a house of cars that's going to fall apart. But when you look to the master builder, to, to the master architect, the guide, the strength, He'll enable us to find healing. There are some people here who have amazing testimonies who are from broken homes, abused backgrounds, and yet they're living for God. There are some here who have wonderful homes, and yet young people are growing up wondering whether there's God or not. I want you to know that despite whatever background you're from, when you live for God and live and apply His Word in your life, obey Him and put your life in His hands, God's going to make out of you a house, a home, that is beautiful, a home of healing, a home of peace, a home of virtue today. Amen. I'm going to stop, but I believe God wants to do something in somebody's life. So I wonder this morning if you could maybe, as a mother, why don't you come to this altar with your children, your family, your husbands. If you'd like to come together as a family and pray together, pray together. Ask the Lord to do a work in each other's lives. If you, if you don't have anybody here, your family's not here, maybe get together with somebody. Pray for one another today. Let's end this service, this wonderful service today, asking God for what we have heard, that we would put our trust in Him, that we would, at His word, follow Him, that we would say, Lord, we want you to build the house of our lives. We're putting our faith and trust in you. We're going to obey your word. We're going to put it in your hands, oh Lord. Our, our marriage situation, our relationship with our kids. God, we're going to ask you to come in and take charge and rule and reign. We want you to build this home. Hallelujah. Why don't we pray together as a family? Praise God. If your family's not here, please pray with somebody, with your friend, with your brothers, with your sisters. But we're going to ask God right now. Unless the Lord builds a house, they the labor are building it in vain. Hallelujah. Let's ask God right now today. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Let His Spirit bless you bless your family today. Come on, come on, pray for one another.
Hallelujah.